welcome to The Happy Writer. This is a podcast that aims to bring readers more books to enjoy and to help authors find more joy in their writing. I am your host, Marissa Meyer. Thank you for joining me. One thing making me happy this week, it is tippin signing season once again. What are tippins, you ask? Um, okay, so sometimes when a new book is coming out, uh, different booksellers or maybe like subscription boxes will request signed copies. So the book printer sends blank pages to us authors. We sign them, we send them back, and then those pages get inserted into the final books and voila, signed copies. Uh, so years ago, the first few times that I was asked to sign tippins, it would maybe be like two or 3,000 pages to sign. But the last couple of years, I think booksellers have started to realize like this is a really great marketing strategy. Uh, and so it's been like closer to 15 to 20,000 pages to sign. And that probably sounds like a big, scary, intimidating number, but I love tip and signing season. And here's why. If it isn't obvious, I can sometimes have some workaholic tendencies. Um, it can be really, really hard for me to take a break and maybe just like, Tonight, I'm going to watch a movie just because I feel like it, or I'm going to spend the afternoon like relaxing on the patio and listening to a podcast, or I'm going to binge a TV show or like, you know, these things that you shouldn't feel guilt about, but it is so hard for me to take that moment when I'm constantly like, no, I should be working. I need to be productive, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But when there's tippings to sign, I can camp out in front of the TV or I can listen to an audiobook while I'm signing. And it kind of like soothes that part of me that is always trying to be productive while also getting to just relax and do something enjoyable for myself. So I know it's super nerdy. I know that I should probably just get better about giving myself a break once in a while and taking the time to relax. but whatever. I do love it when the tippins start showing up. Of course, I am also so happy to be talking to today's guest. She is the critically acclaimed author of Interview with the Vixen, This is What It Feels Like, and You Don't Know Me, But I Know You. She also had a short story appear in the Fools in Love anthology, which I have not read this anthology, but it sounds so cute. I really need to get my hands on it. Her newest novel, Bad Things Happen Here, just came out last month. Please welcome Rebecca Barrow. Hi. So Hello. happy to join you today. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. So this uh, episode isn't coming out for a couple of weeks. So by the time it comes out, your book will be out in the world. But as of today, we're just a few days away from your launch. How are you feeling? Oh, yeah, it's final countdown time. I am feeling exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> that is a legitimate response. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. I'm, I'm looking forward to it being out. It's already started appearing on the shelves here in the UK. So, mm. Did it I'm have like, a different launch day or was it just, you know, no, some books got sent out early? Yes, so it's coming out the same day as the US but yeah, I think some have just started creeping out a bit early, yeah. which is always a bit nerve wracking because in your head you have like this day, 
is the day that my book is going to come out. Before that day, it's not out and no one can read it. And after that day, everyone can read it. But then if they start creeping out a bit early, you're like, oh no, now people can read it before I was emotionally prepared to know that they (laughs) could read it. Right? I know. I know exactly what you're talking about. And I always thought it was weird when like some people would start posting on social media, like, look, I've got a copy of the book, or maybe they even read it and review it. And then other readers are like, hey, where's my copy? How come I can't get it? And it, I don't know, I can put the author in a weird position sometimes. Yeah, you're like, I, I don't control this part. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, no, I know. Has it been a busy uh, build up with all the promotions? Um, yeah, it's just been a kind of, you know, it's a, such a strange thing to be an author with all these periods of like just absolutely nothing happening all the waiting for things to start happening and then of course they always come all at once so I feel like I've just been waiting for this book to come out for like almost two years and then all of a sudden the past couple of weeks it's like can you do this interview can you write this promo post can you think of another idea for a promo post can you and I'm I need to remember to do like a a Twitter thread and an Instagram and don't I'm not doing reels I've taken myself out of the reels game Mm. TikTok I can't handle it yeah (laughs) only focus on what I've got Yeah, no, it is weird. It is that weird part of the writing gig where you're like, but I kind of want to be working on the next book, but suddenly you're a marketer, you're a promoter, and it's yeah. it can be hard kind of getting in and out of that mindset. Yeah, and I would say they're definitely, that part of it is not my strong suit. So I'm willing to do things that are thrown at me today I did a radio interview for the first time oh how did it go nerve-wracking but I think it seemed to go well immediately afterwards different members of my family are all texting me like that was really good you sound (laughs) like you've had media training and I was like well I haven't (laughs) so (laughs) I'm just mimicking everything I've ever heard anyone else say and do on the radio I guess (laughs) that that was like a different challenge but it is a lot then because, you know, I didn't even know that was going to happen until yesterday. So all of a sudden you're like, oh, OK, I'm going to do I'm, I'm going to be on the radio tomorrow. OK. Oh, wow. Well, that's kind of good. It doesn't give you the like for me, if I have too much build up time, then I can get really nervous. But if it's yeah. just like thrown at you, you're like, OK, here we go. So the first question that I like to start with is I would love to hear your author origin story. How did you get here? Okay, um, I am, I think, one of those really cliche writers who's like, I have always written stories and I've always wanted to, to be a writer. Um, so I think I've just always been making up little stories and stuff. But how I really got started, I guess, when I was 16, and I'm aware, again, this is a very boring way to spend summer holidays but when I was 16 I thought I think I'm going to take the summer holidays to try and write a book (laughs) you know instead of doing fun things um and the real reason for that was because in the UK we well at least when I was at school um like when you're 16 that's like your last year of um like traditional school then you go on and do like your A-levels or you go to college etc but it's that's your last year and you have all these exams and then you you finish like really early. The school year finishes really early for you. So I had like a much longer summer than 
I normally would have. And I was kind of like, how am I going to fill all this time? And of course, my logical answer was like, what if I wrote a book? <laughs> so I just decided to do that. And I I wrote this adult, I don't even, I could you call it women's fiction, I guess. But when I look up, when I looked back at it, I was like, oh, this is a YA book dressed, they're, they're literally teenagers wearing grown-up clothes and being like I am a grown-up I have a grown-up job like (laughs) they lived in New York (laughs) in this like beautiful apartment and their jobs were a photographer and works in an art gallery so I don't know how they were affording anything (laughs) okay I just can I pause you for a second because when I was a a teenager I also wrote a quote-unquote women's fiction that also felt very YA and they also lived in New York and I also had someone who worked in an art gallery so we're kindred I don't know what it is but it was just like that's a very cool and chic job yes so cool (laughs) selling art being knowledgeable but also having like parties and like cocktails (laughs) yes so yeah, I did that. And then I really, that was how I started. And I did query that I queried, <laughs> I sent two queries um, and I sent them, like I sent physical, put them in the post queries because at the time, I don't know what, it, I guess it, maybe it was kind of around the time of everybody switching to email, but I had this real thing of like, if somebody accepts an email query, they're not a legitimate, I don't want to be there. I don't want to be with an agency <laughs> that takes emails. Are you kidding? We're just like what? So I sent out these two queries by post, and then of course they like send them back after months, and you like you get your actual full manuscript back through the post, and you're like, oh my god, this could be it. And then of course it's not. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, now I'm looking back, I'm like, you could have just saved yourself so much time. Just send a quick email, and they can quickly email you back. Like, no, thank you. (laughs) Instead of waiting months for the post, but um, like. Yeah, I wrote, um, I think, four books after that. And I queried, and I just kept querying, kept writing. And then my uh, fourth or fifth book was the one that got me my agent. And then somewhere along the way, well, after I'd written that uh, quote-unquote women's fiction uh, was when I was like, I think I want to write YA. And actually the reason I decided that was I kept hearing that advice of, you know, you need to read what you're going to write. You know, you need to be like so well versed in your genre and your category. And every time I heard that, I went, oh, but I don't want to read that. <laughs> I, want, I want to read YA. And then I was like, well, maybe you should write YA then. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Maybe the thing that you're interested in reading should be the thing that you actually write. Mm-hmm. So and that's yeah that took me about seven years I think from that first book to um to get my first agent and then my first um that book that I got my agent with um actually sold which I was not prepared for I was very prepared to sit on sub for a year or two and Mm -hmm. do my next project and have it go that way but I actually sold so that was good yeah yeah no I the advice to you know write what you love to read. I remember, um, remember when Chicklet was a thing and was really, really popular. Yeah. Uh, I like, didn't really like the genre of Chicklet, but it seemed so easy to write, which of course is a ridiculous thought to have, but it was just like fashion and, you know, I don't know, breakups and, you know, blah, blah, blah. I was like, I could do that. And so my, some of my first attempts were 
chiclet. And then I remember hearing the same advice, like, but I don't actually like to read it. Maybe this is not right for me. Yeah. Good to keep in mind. Um, all right. So now you've had a number of books out and your, is your fourth novel, right? Yes. Yes. Your fourth novel is coming out next week. Would you please tell listeners a little bit about Bad Things Happen Here? Yes. So Bad Things Happen Here is a mystery thriller about a girl who lives on a beautiful island that is cursed by the deaths of young girls. Um, She has already lost her best friend to it like a few years before the book starts. And then when her sister is killed, she decides to take it upon herself to investigate and find out who is responsible and also how the curse kind of works and if she is in danger. Hmm. So when I am reading a book for this podcast, you know, usually I'll jot down notes and questions, you know, things that I want to talk to the author about. Uh, you now hold the record for the earliest in a book that I have ever written a note that I have to ask about this. And that happens on the dedication page before we even get to chapter one. (laughs) You dedicate the book to yourself. Talk to me about that. I am so curious about this. Um, So I decided to dedicate the book to myself. So my first book, I um, dedicated to no one. I had no, I had no dedication. I had no epigraph or anything. I think I was, I, I was looking for the, the right thing to put in. And then I was like, oh, this is really forced. I'm not going to do anything. And then my second one, I was like, actually, I'm going to do a dedication for this one. And um, I forget, this is really bad. I forget the exact wording, but it was, you know, to like um, everybody listening to their favorite song in their room at 2 a.m. Because my second book was about music and then when it came to this one the whole process of the book was very personal I guess I went through a lot of like changes while I was writing the book um the book itself kind of became a vessel for like a lot of my frustrations with publishing and like what am I supposed to write what do people want from me um you know along the way I kind of started just adding stuff into the book that I just wanted to have in it. Like, oh, should she should she reference like an old Hollywood movie here? Because that's what I like. Yeah, why not? You know, <laughs> she'd be wearing wearing a dress that like I have in my wardrobe. Yeah, sure, why not? Like, you know, <laughs> should she be like dealing with depression? Yeah, I'm gonna throw that in as well. Kind of all the things that I would question. At other times, I think because I was at, at a point of having, when I was writing it, it had no um, no publisher, it hadn't sold. So I was just kind of, it was like a big question mark book. And I ended up just kind of throwing everything I wanted to put into it, into it. And then I wrote it for so, so long. It took me, I think, um, four years maybe from like my mm-hmm. first idea to it selling. And I've written multiple drafts of it like from the beginning over and so when I came to the time for dedication I thought I this one is for me like I put a lot of work into this a lot of energy a lot of myself um 
this is the book I think where I was closest to maybe not quitting but Mm. definitely taking like time off I remember I said to some of my friends like as me and my agent were about to go on sub with it for the second time I was like if this doesn't this doesn't work out like I think I actually I phrased it in a question of like would it be okay if I took some time off (laughs) instead of just saying like I think I will they were like yeah you know you don't need permission Mm -hmm. (laughs) to take time off so then it did go on to sell so you know eventually when it came time to do the dedication I thought you know I'll put this one for myself I like that no I do think that there are certain books that we tend to write more for the readers or for the market, um, maybe even for your publisher sometimes. Uh, And then there are books that are like, there's just so much of me in this book, or I really needed to write this one for me, you know, to get, to get this story out or to, to, you know, fill something in myself that, that needed to be filled. Yeah, definitely was that. Cause it's also very different from my previous books so it felt like a bit of a risk and then, you know, it paid off a bit and it was almost like I gambled on myself, you know, mm-hmm. so yeah. it felt something. So did you ever get to take that break or did it sell and you're like, okay, back to the grind? <laughs> yeah, it, it sold and I was like, okay, I guess I have to work on this book more now. <laughs> <laughs> I have to work now, I have to actually publish this thing. Yeah, um, I had this of like, I'm going to take time off, like I'm not going to write at all, I'm going to like even kind of distance myself from like the writing world maybe I'll get out there and explore new things and then mm. you know they were like no get back to your keyboard you need to edit this now <laughs> yeah right so one thing i'm really curious about because one of the the most striking things to me about this book is the voice And in just like reading, you know, blurbs about the book and, you know, on your website, there was like a couple quotes from like Kirkus reviews and this sort of things. And it seems like everybody notices the, the, the writing it's atmospheric, it's chilling. It's very, has a kind of a starkness to it. Um, And I'm really curious, you mentioned that it is very different from your previous books, how much of the, the voice in particular kind of has changed with the genre or with this book or with this character? Well, that's such a good question because I do think it is very, I think it's kind of consistent with the voice of my other books Mm. in a way, but then I guess because it is in this new genre and I, it's like a slightly different, a slightly different world that she inhabits. Mm -hmm. So where like my first two books might have been you know they were like as there was like a softness to them they I wouldn't call them fluffy not that there's anything wrong with a fluffy book but they do have some heavier moments in um also I feel there's nothing worse than when you want to go for like a pure fun read mm-hmm. and then suddenly you're crying because <laughs> you know, somebody's experiencing <laughs> emotional devastation so I don't want to set anybody on the wrong track but but yeah, these this book has a very, I guess, very little softness in it. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's just such a darker tone for everything that she's dealing with. Um, the like the comments about um like the sparseness of the voice or you know, not there not being like um 
I don't know. I don't want to quote my own Kirkus review, but I feel like I have to. They say like not a word wasted. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, yeah, not I get maybe. And it wasn't like a purposeful, I guess I just felt like I kind of let myself take out any of the like softening of things. Like, no, yeah. she doesn't need to necessarily be like super nicey nice all the time or looking on, you know, my other books they have a lot of kind of like looking for the positive in bad situations or like, you know, believing that everything's going to work out okay in the end. Like, and in this book, there's not a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kind of sad, but yeah. But it works so well. I mean, from, you know, the first page, the first chapter, her voice, it just cements for the reader. This is what the story is going to be. And it just, before anything has even even really happened, it just gives you this really eerie vibe to it in a way that I just thought was absolutely brilliant. Did you, I mean, you mentioned that you went through multiple drafts of the book. Was, was Luca's voice one of those that just like came to you and you just heard, or was it one that kind of evolved over the drafts and, and through the revision process? Um, I think she's just always been there that's just always been her voice I think yeah she's changed a bit over the course of multiple revisions like the definitely definitely the book started the idea I should say started as more of a straightforward contemporary and then as it became more of a mystery and then like veered more towards thriller as I was working on the idea her voice definitely developed along with that but I think she's always really just been there as this like you know, I always call her like my sad girl. My like my um drafting name for the book was sad bad girls. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, they're kind of bad, but they're also they're not like bad girls, like, yeah, we're gonna take you for like a drive in our car and like let's go and do something crazy. They're like, let's go and listen to Phoebe Bridges in the rain. Mm. We're really sad, like just nothing good is happening on this island. <laughs> like it's not great here. <laughs> <laughs> No, and that is also something that I wanted to talk about because the island itself is such an interesting setting. It's almost like there's two completely different islands. You know, there's there's the island that everyone else sees. It's it's wealthy, it's privileged, it's idyllic, it's beautiful. And then there's the island that Luca, our narrator, sees and as the reader seeing it through her eyes, like you get the impression that like, yeah, there's people who have beachfront houses and yachts here, but there's never a moment when you're like, you know what? I would really like to go vacation on this island. <laughs> like she just has such, you know, a, a perspective on like what the island is actually hiding. And it was so cool to kind of be able to see it from both lights yeah it's like when you're writing a place like that I mean I'm obsessed with stories about like these perfect places that have something horrible underneath like I'm obsessed with Pretty Little Liars I'm sorry I'm still not over it it's been (laughs) the show has been done for years and I'm still watching it (laughs) like (laughs) my Netflix is always somewhere paused within the series I listened to like multiple podcasts about it. I'm deep into it. 
and I grew up watching Desperate Housewives. Like, I love all of the, like, you know, there's something so just, it feels almost like it's punching you in the face. Like, nothing can be this perfect. Mm-hmm. Like, of course there's something terrible hidden in here. But nobody wants to admit that there's something terrible because, like, we can't possibly admit that anything bad happens in this place because then it wouldn't be the perfect place that we have found and carved out as our own home and like probably for a lot of them um you know made sacrifices to get to Mm -hmm. was it difficult like as as you were developing the setting how much of it were you trying to like convey to the reader this is a really nice place if you're willing to overlook some of these things or were you just like you know this place it is cursed and it does have a darkness and I want the reader to to feel that. I think it's maybe more, more like the, the former, like there's something about, there's something about just life in general. Like we all live in places that are good and bad. So I don't want to like write, I didn't want to write the story and be like, Hey, like, I want to smack you over the head with the fact that like it might look nice but it's also terrible like I kind of want to draw people in and go like hey wouldn't it be nice if you lived here mm-hmm. it's that same feeling of you know me I'm not like a super wealthy person and when I look at super wealthy people I'm like hey guys you should share your money with other people that would be really nice like what if everybody had a place to live and what if everybody could afford like healthcare? But then you secretly, or maybe not secretly, you have your own fantasies of like, but you know, if I won the lottery tomorrow, like that would be really cool, actually. Mm. I'd love to have like, you know, I'd love to buy a yacht and just sail around the world on my ginormous yacht. And I'd love to fly my private jet everywhere. Like <laughs> there's something seductive about these things, even though like in my like everyday life I'm like I don't actually agree with these things but you know if somebody were to hand them to me tomorrow maybe I would change my mind Mm. Um, so this island it's kind of like you know maybe you would like to go there I personally wouldn't like to go there I personally am fine to never go to Paris the island (laughs) (laughs) I I don't think it would be fun but you know it is that question of like what are you willing to you know deal with to have this nice life and have this luxurious place and all these things surrounding you. Yeah. No. And I think seductive is a really good word to kind of describe. Like there's, there's a, there's something wrong, but there's also an appeal that, that, you know, is very universal, I think. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about some of the, the relationships we have Luca in the center of the story. Um, she is, you know, sort of takes on the detective role. Her her sister, her best friend has died, uh, she believes, as a result of this curse. Uh, very early in the book, her sister winds up dead as well. And she does not trust the police because the police have failed to solve so many of these deaths. And so Luca takes it on herself to try to solve uh, the mystery of her sister and hopefully the mystery of the curse as well. And in doing so, um, you know, we we see her kind of move through this group of people 
who are, of course, people who live on the island, small community. Everybody knows everyone. She's grown up with a lot of these people. Um, and I felt that a lot of the, the suspense and the tension in the book came from these various, these various relationships, people that Luca feels like she knows well, but then she's constantly uncovering secrets and adding new depth to who are these people really. So talk to me just a little bit about character development and, you know, how much do you know about your characters before you're writing? How much is uncovered for you along with Luca, et cetera? Well, that's an interesting question as well. I think I, I usually, I know, I, I love to be asked things that I have never thought about really. <laughs> <laughs> and I am sorry if I like feel like I'm throwing you some hardballs. This is one of those books that uh, the craft just seemed like really well done. I mean, didn't seem, it was really well done. And whenever there's a book that I like marvel at some of these craft aspects, I just want to like dig into the author's brand and like, but tell me your secrets. How did you do that? that? (laughs) I was like, no. (laughs) I guess I had the, I usually have these really like clear ideas of my main characters or the, the ones who get the most focus. Um, I guess in this one, there's quite a lot of like peripheral characters who, they have a lot of detail to them, maybe more so than I have like in my other books. Um, I think it was, I kind of, it was important to know a lot about them from the beginning because you need to know the motivations behind their actions, like why, you know, who's telling the truth and who's covering things up and who's lying and why they're doing this, like Mm -hmm. who's protecting who and what does all of it mean to them? Because you know, Luca's experiencing this whole time and the island in one way. And then you kind of have to take a step back and like reorient yourself and go like, okay, so, um, you know, their, their close friend, her sister's best friend, Madison, like she's experiencing life on this island in her own way and from her own perspective. And their other friend, Beth, is, has grown up and has dealt with different things and she's viewing the island in her own way and it's and then Luca's uh former friend slash girl that she fell in love with in a terrible decision (laughs) um yeah I don't think that was ever gonna go well but you know she's experienced the island very differently from the rest of them because she's not as wealthy so everybody's bringing their own perspective and it really plays into like a story like this where there's like so much at stake and you have to know why why they would make the choices that they would make you know Mm -hmm. are you um an outline writer or more of a seat of your pants sort of writer um I would say somewhere in between but I'm becoming increasingly more of an outliner Mm. Uh, especially like moving into mystery and thriller it's very hard to just completely wing a mystery because yeah if you don't know what's happening although I have met I have met other thriller writers who have said like no I had no idea I just made it up as I went along <laughs> and I'm like that's interesting that is mind-boggling <laughs> to me <laughs> yeah. how did you do that and you came out with a really good mystery yeah <laughs> I've been sitting at my desk for 
six months straight trying to figure it out yeah so, yeah I'm become more of an outliner now it's just you know figuring things out before I used to be very like I'm discovering the story as I go and you know I'm, I, I kind of know where we're heading towards but you know it's about the journey and now I'm like the journey is fun and everything but I would appreciate not having to take six different journeys <laughs> in order to get to the destination <laughs> I just want to get straight there please Yeah. No, I think because obviously we all have our own process. And like you mentioned, there are mystery writers who can just kind of go and explore the story and see how things reveal themselves. Um, But this does seem mystery in particular seems to be the sort of genre that as a writer, it is really helpful to know what is the whodunit? How did they do it? How did they cover up? What are the clues going to be? Like, it just seems like it'd be really difficult to just go with the flow and hope that in the end you have a mystery that makes sense. Yeah, I saw, I've, I always knew who did it, but I think that's maybe one of the only things that never changed. So I guess you kind of have to work backwards a lot of the time to go, okay, and how do we come to understand who did it and you know who were we looking at along the way and what are the red herrings and you know what are the what are all the questions that are being thrown up along the way I don't think I could manage my way through that just writing it as I went yeah I don't know we would end up in so many different places and so far away from the point but yeah it's definitely it's definitely like a a real challenge to write a mystery I commend everybody who does it because it's not (laughs) (laughs) I do too and like that includes you like you have done it (laughs) I've done it now sometimes I feel like that I've really done it now haven't I (laughs) (laughs) were there um ever any of the because this is one of those books where oh sorry this is one of those books where uh you know there's so many secrets revealed from various characters was there ever a secret that you hadn't planned on that kind of surprised you? And then you were like, ah, now I need to figure out how to work this in. Yes, there was actually. Now that I'm thinking of it, I don't want to give it away. I don't I think I won't even say which character it was, but one of the characters, um, they just kind of were there, I guess, along the way. And then I kind of it just kind of came to me like one of those moments that I love you know when you're just doing something completely unrelated to writing and you're like oh my god wait I know what I know what needs to happen okay I got this like wait is this gonna work does this work and then you're like I have to abandon the task I was actually doing to go and figure this out for an hour (laughs) I Um, love those moments yeah I love them so much um I had a moment of so like Luca's best friend Polly is already dead um, before the book even starts. But when I was writing it, she there was a long time that Polly was alive. Oh, interesting. I was like a friend that had um there was a lot of a long, a long time where it was actually Luca who had moved to a new place. So she had left Polly behind. And I, I really vividly remember where I was, I was driving and I a, a, a road that I drive all the time but now every time I drive on that one part I'm like this is where I thought oh, oh my god 
Polly, Polly needs to be dead. Polly needs to die. That's it. Huh. <laughs> and then, so very sorry, Polly. Like, yeah, but, poor no. Polly. Yeah. <laughs> um. So as the title said, you know, speaking of Polly, who uh, is certainly not the first girl to die on this island, but she's kind of the first one that we really get to know. Um, and the the deaths on this island have piled up over the years. You just list, you know, girl after girl, tragedy after tragedy. And we do get some answers by the end, but we don't get all the answers by the end. Um, and it is one of those books that feels resolved in some ways, but also kind of leaves you wanting more. Was that a something that you always knew that you were going to do was kind of have more of this open ending? Yes. So I was very, I, I was very set on that because, so I'm a person that I, I have um, taken in a lot of true crime over the years and you know we're in like a huge true crime boom right now mm-hmm. um and the one thing that I have always found kind of fascinating in, a, in an odd way maybe is just people's um fixation on like getting every single answer when it's just so impossible a lot of the time like Um, When you're watching, if you're watching a show or listening to a story about like, you know, this person went missing and they've been missing for 10 years and, you know, no one knows what happened to them. And everybody has all their theories and everybody's trying to rationalize like, well, they did this thing that was out of character. So maybe that means like this other ginormous like leap of logic. Um, (laughs) And a lot of the time I think like, well, there's just there's just things that we're never going to have answers for mm. um and there's a lot of stuff if you actually look at yourself like through your day sometimes you just do things differently or randomly like you know why would you decide to like take this really long route instead of just going the normal like 10 minute drive that you normally make maybe you just felt like it that day but you know if you happened to go missing that day and they found out like well she instead of driving the normal way that she went, she went like 50 minutes out of her way. What was she doing? And they'll never know that it was maybe because like on that day you thought like, I really want to just sing along to some music. Like I'm going to take a longer way home so I can get some Mm -hmm. more music time in. And people, there's something in human nature. I think that is, we want answers. Like I always think that about like we're always looking for like things out in space and things in this like we need to know every little detail of things we're like not satisfied until we know like what everything means and in a lot of like crimes and violent crimes or disappearances and things there's just no way to get those answers and I I really didn't want to like set up a story that was like And here is like every single detail of every single crime that has occurred over the years and everything is solved. (laughs) Everybody has their resolution and it's all neat and tidy in the end because it's, it's never going to be neat and tidy like that. You know, like people really do go missing and people really are murdered in like horrible, violent crimes and not everybody gets justice for it or their families don't get answers and sometimes there's just no way to know. Like, it's just the way, isn't it? It's very bleak. Yeah. 
but I didn't want to have this like fake false happiness at the end or false hope for anything like yeah yeah no and I think it really works for this book you know kind of going back to the voice and how the whole there's just this very kind of chilling vibe throughout the whole story like you've really set up from the beginning like it is okay for your readers to feel uncomfortable. And so if there's some discomfort at the fact that there isn't a nice little bow tied on to every mystery at the end, it just works. It fits this book. It fits the feel of it. Yeah. Thank you. I really, I really tried hard with that. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I, to know it's paying off. <laughs> yeah, no. And I had wondered at one point if maybe you were setting yourself up for spinoff books. <laughs> like, we'll just tackle the mysteries one at a time. <laughs> All right. My last question before we go into our bonus round, there is this uh, a tiny hint of a paranormal bent with the curse. Luca mm-hmm. believes that the island is cursed. And there again, we kind of don't know by the end. Is the curse real? Is the curse not real? Uh, for you, do you think that the island is cursed? Hmm, do I think the island is I'm gonna say yes. I'm gonna say yes. I'm I'm gonna say yes and just leave it at that. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> You're in the business have... of not answering all of our questions yeah. and giving us nice resolutions. So. People have read it, they can decide whether they think the island is really cursed. And I'd love to have a discussion with people about do we think the island is cursed or not? And what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I'd love to talk to some other readers and break it down. What are your thoughts? This would be a good uh, book club pick, by the way. Oh, okay. I'm yeah. going to keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or if there's anyone listening who needs something. Yeah, anybody to wants to start a book club? Yeah. <laughs> I have the perfect book for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Are you ready for the bonus round? I'm ready. I love a bonus round. Tea or coffee? Neither. <laughs> Neither. What do you drink? Yeah. I drink water and uh Coke Zero pretty much exclusively. <laughs> Music or silence? Oh, silence. What is your favorite writing snack? Um, Skittles. I'm sorry, what? Skittles. What are Skittles? Wait, should I say Amer- Skittles? Oh, Skittles. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Wait, to side to have a can I sidetrack off this just for a moment? Yes, please. Um, so I was at work once, and because I'm a very diligent worker, I was talking to my friends on Slack, <laughs> <laughs> and I was also eating some Starburst, and I said. I love Starburst. Like, what, what, I, what are your, what are your favorite of the colors? Like, how do you rank them? Mine goes like red, orange, purple, green. And my friend said, "Excuse me, we don't have those colors here." So we had a whole moment of knowing that, like, the colors in the UK are different to the colors in the US. And it was like we entered some kind of twilight zone. Oh my gosh, um, that is so bizarre. Why would they I do that? Thought- it's very confusing but I just thought that was funny there I almost was like I was like they have Skittles in America no wait yes do they (laughs) and it was like 
oh, we're just having some kind of lost in translation moment. <laughs> okay, back to the bonus. Yes, no, I, I love that. I had no idea. Yeah. Writing in a computer or writing in a, a notebook? Oh, computer. Would you rather go to the beach or go to a party? Oh, the beach. If Bad Things Happen Here had a theme song, what would it be? Oh, I think it would have to be um, a song that is actually called Bad Things. Oh. By, um, I think her name is pronounced Miko. M-E-I-K-O. Um, there's actually two versions of the song that I like. There's the original version and then there's a remix, um, like updated version. The second one, I think, is the perfect, perfect song for the book. What is the best writing advice you've ever received? Oh, that is a tough one. And this is supposed to be quick, okay? It's okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess maybe Kill Your Darlings. What does Kill Your Darlings mean to you? Because I know there's different interpretations among the writing community. Um, So to me, Kill Your Darlings means just to not be afraid to just take out what's not working. I'm a big fan of revision. I hate a first draft, but I love revising. I'm not afraid to cut stuff out. I like to just cut out whole chapters, whole scenes, just put them, I I never throw them away. I put them somewhere else so I can go back later and steal them for another mm. project, obviously. <laughs> Why I don't want to do more work. <laughs> I don't keep my work and reuse it. Um, but yeah, I feel like if you get too attached to things, you know, and you're trying really hard to keep stuff because you're like, I love this scene or I love this character. And it's like, well, is it serving the book? Is it making the best story? Not necessarily. So Um, I also, from like a technical standpoint, I guess, I love to just take stuff out because you can always put it back in. Mm. But sometimes you need to just see the book without certain parts to go, wait, actually, yeah, it's much much better if I take out this this chapter in between. It's so clean and perfect now. Mm. What book makes you happy? Um, What book makes me happy? Gossip Girl. What are you working on next? I am working on another mystery kind of mm, thriller adjacent project. Um, Can't say too much about it, but I will say it is another sad girl (laughs) um, trying to get answers. Lastly, where can people find you? Um, you can find me on Instagram mostly. I'm at Rebecca K. Barrow. Um, and also on Twitter under the same handle, but I'm not there as much. So, you know, you can find me on Instagram most of the time. Awesome. Rebecca, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. And good luck with your launch next week. Thank you. Readers, be sure to check out Bad Things Happen Here. By the time you're listening to this, it will be out in stores. Of course, we always encourage you to support your local indie if you can. If you don't have a local indie, you can check out our affiliate store at bookshop.org slash shop slash Marissa Meyer. Next week, for all of you Alice in Wonderland fans, I will be talking to Sarah Ella about her new fantasy, The Wonderland Trials. 
If you're enjoying these conversations, please subscribe and follow us on Instagram at Marissa Meyer author and at happy writer podcast. Until next time, stay healthy, stay cozy, and whatever life throws at you today, I hope that now you're feeling a little bit happier.